This morning, uh, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 104. 104. As human beings in general, we do some pretty strange things. It's almost universal. For example, you could pick uh, a drink or a food in any culture. Why is it that when somebody tastes something bad, like they drink some sour milk, what happens? Yeah, they spit it out, but then what do they do? They go, oh, here, try some. <laughs> why, why do people do that? It's like, no, I don't want to taste what's tasted icky to you. Um, as, as human beings, but also as human beings who are Christ followers in the church, we do some strange things as well. Uh, like at Christmas time, why is it? Why is it? Or I should say, to ask you guys, what happens when people sing Christmas carols? And you're wondering what? Where is he going with this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you, Alana. Thank you. Thank you. I don't, it's, it's, it's not even Thanksgiving yet, and he's talking about Christmas. It's so much pressure. <laughs> no, but what happens? I mean, this morning, we just joined in so many different choruses together, the wonderful chorus of, of heaven uh, wafting up to the Lord as a fragrance before him. And then somehow, when we sing Christmas carols, we go stiff as a board, and we all stand up straight, and we go like this with, our, with the, the hymnal, and, and we sing like uh, choir girls and choir boys. What's up with that? You know, we do these, these strange kind of things. Um, it also comes to, to things like when we read Scripture aloud in public. Um, you know, sometimes it's nerves. You know, sometimes if people got a bit of stage fright when they come up or they want to take a, um, some encouragement to actually step out and share a word, which is fabulous. We want to we do those things. But sometimes I wonder if these quirks that we have are actually part of the way we actually see God and express who he is in the given context that we find ourselves in. So, for example... Uh, sometimes you, you have people come up and, and read God's word, and you're going, wow, they, they, Nikki, they, they sound like they believe it. Other times you have people who come up, and they feel like, it's like Anthony Hopkins in a Shakespearean play or something like that. They just ha- feel like the, the need to, to, act, to act out this big grandiose thing. Uh, or other people who get up and they're just kind of, bless the Lord, oh my soul, thanks for that. Right? It's, it's, what's going on there? Well, perhaps it's because of the way that our perceptions, like the glasses that we see God through, the filters that we see God through, sometimes come out in those public ways, in ways that maybe are just based on tradition, they're based on our church culture, they're based on whatever they're based on. But we all have these things. And it begs the question this morning, what's your perception? What perceptions do you have about God? And how do those things affect the way that you relate to him? You know, whether that's in daily life, whether that's reading the word or singing and worshiping, whatever that looks like for you. Um, And this morning, it's the Labor Day long weekend. It's the last Sunday in our series, The Summer in the Psalms. And today, I want us to read Psalm 104. 
And before we do, I just want to touch that in the Psalms we have learned, even right at the outset of the summer, that the Psalms played an important role. Dennis, can you take the little high end, the high frequency, press high. Yep, and then make sure the frequency is somewhere around 5K and just take the gain down a little bit. Den- if, if you didn't know, I'm not trying to embarrass Dennis. Dennis is an old railway guy, and those really high frequencies that are you can hear up there, he doesn't hear necessarily anymore because all the railway things crashing together over the years. So it's not, it's not his fault. He just wasn't hearing it. So I'm helping him out. Um, it plays an important role in the worship life of the church. It's actually meant to be fuel for our worship. Psalms are also written as expressions of our real feelings and emotions. Every human experience, life's journey, is expressed in the Psalms. It's everything from A to Z, from praise and joy to suffering and lament, for that matter. Uh, We learned that no matter what you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, I think it was John Arnold who said, there's a psalm for that. It was catchy, wasn't it? That was a very catchy catch line. I loved that. There's a psalm for that. And the Lord wants to meet you in that place. He can take our anger, our frustrations, and our disappointments. And he, he joins in with you. He joins in with us today as we've glorified and praised him and worshipped him together. The Lord even meets you in the valley of your sorrows. Where there might even be death. Where you need comfort and you need strength and you need more faith. Um, the Psalms... Even more so, help remind us that we can trust Jesus. Not only is Jesus the fulfillment of the Psalms, because everything in Scripture points to him, but Jesus also became a human being like us and experienced everything that we've experienced. He not only walked in our shoes, but Jesus came so that we could know who God was really is, that he could save us from ourselves and the consequences of sin. And if you're here today and you've wanted to understand who God is, I want to encourage you, look at the real life, the true story of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Look at Jesus, look at his life, look at the things that he did. And you will see the very heart of God. When I was away, uh, for some of you, if you're guests here this morning, you might not know I was on a break in June uh, and some holidays in July. But while I was away, Psalm 104 is one of the psalms that I actually felt drawn to and spent a bit of time just pondering and walking through. It's a a psalm that, that reminds us and celebrates the greatness of God. We've been singing about that this morning. It reveals God's glory in the created order of the universe and how he's set things up and how he's provided for everything in it. And if you listen closely when I I read, you'll even hear themes of the creation story in Genesis. I want to read it to you, uh, but I want to read it from the perspective of how I see the Lord. I'll do my best to, to take the filters that I see God through and read that into the scriptures that we're reading this morning. A bit of because of what I said before about those quirks 
that we have. And see if you pick up on anything. Because we're actually meant to engage in God's word with all of our senses, with our spirit. We aren't meant to just read the Psalms and then only remark on the scholarliness of it, you know, like the, the wonderful literary prose and the poet, poetic language and how it falls in series with this particular other psalm, which is great and wonderful, but we're also not supposed to just go on the warm, fuzzy side of the psalms that make us feel good or that express the emotions that we're going through and then just change the channel and go to another psalm that makes us feel good, etc. In each psalm, as with the rest of the Bible, We're meant to ask, how can I enter into a deeper love for Jesus? And my understanding, how can that grow deeper of understanding who Jesus is? And we do that by opening up, by engaging and acting on the truths that we actually see, we read. That's part of our discipleship. That's part of the process of becoming more like Jesus. I realize it's a longer psalm. Some of you may have looked ahead and went, whoa, that's a long psalm. But I want to read the whole thing together. And if it's helpful for you, it's not going to come up on the screen because it's just too much. It's too wordy. Uh, But if it's helpful to you, you could even close your eyes because there's so much imagery in this particular psalm. I want to read it for you. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot, and he rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers, those angels of his winds, his ministers, a flaming fire. He sets the earth on its very foundation so that it would never be moved. You covered it with the deep as a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took flight. The mountains rose and the valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they may not ever again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys, and they flow between the hills. You give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of heaven dwell and sing amongst the branches. From your lofty heavenly place you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for men to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen a man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted, that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats and the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun, the sun, the sun even knows it's time for setting. You make darkness and it's night when all the beasts of the forest creep about. 
The young lions, they roar for their prey, seeking food from God. And when the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until evening. Lord, how manifold, how many, how awesome are your works. In wisdom, you've made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here's the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures, innumerable living things, both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they're dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise, I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I speak to my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. God is not stale or distant. God's word is not stale or distant. It's living. It's active. It is able to transform and accomplish the purpose for which it's been sent. And in this psalm, there are a number of things that we can see about who God is. We're not going to study each of them today. It's too long. But here are some of them. God's capital G, great. Those of you who are thinking right now about Tony the Tiger, the Frosted Flakes, wrong image. No, great, great. He's glorious, clothed in light, sovereign over all things, creator of all things, the only wise king, the author of life and death, glorious in everything that he does and worthy of all worship. That's a mouthful. And that's not even all of it. In the midst of all the greatness, there's only one aspect of who God is that I want to encourage us with today. And it's this. Enjoyment and play are in the heart of God. Enjoyment and play are in and come from the very heart of God. Did you hear any enjoyment in my voice today as I was reading that psalm? I hope you did, because I believe the words I was reading. The idea is the idea of enjoyment and, and play in relation to God, maybe a new idea to you? I don't know. But that's it today. It's simple, with a couple of maybe some spiritual principles, some spiritual keys for living thrown in and dusted in there. Leading up to my time off in June, I realized that the pressures of life and pastoring had finally caught up to me after 10 years of ministry. 
I needed a break to meet with the Lord, uh, to invite him to help me and to get his priorities back into my life and to get it in order. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the opportunity I was given by our elders, by our leaders, by you as a congregation, uh, and the way that you blessed and supported us and gave us the time and space uh, to be able to do that. We are very grateful. Um, During one of the quiet moments of my time away with the Lord, I realized, you know what, Aaron? I forgot something really simple. I've forgotten how to play. Anybody ever been there? Maybe? I know I was. The busyness of life and the choices I was making were leading up to this point where I had choked off my ability to just engage in something for just enjoyment and recreation or pleasure. Um, Everything was revolving around something serious, you know, or some practical purpose. Uh, Maybe some of you can relate to that. The Lord used three verses in Psalm 104 to change my perspective, and I wanted to share those with you this morning. Um, If something is out of balance in your life, you need to first seek the Lord in Scripture about it. That's a good principle. What has God said about what I'm going through already? Have you ever done that? Or have you just kind of pressed on and done your own thing? Anybody ever just pressed on and done their own thing? How does that usually turn out for you? Eh, right, works for a while, but then kind of falls off. How about start with, well, what's God actually said about this? Uh, You need to first seek the Lord in his scripture to find out what his principles, what his blueprint for living is. And once you discover those, Um, Like I needed to, you need to be honest with the Lord about where you've been living and then ask for his spirit's power to change and to live differently in the light of the truth that you've learned. See, that's your starting point. Lord, let me see you. And then I need your help to change. So the verses that I read, the first two were 14 and 15. They jumped right off the page at me. Maybe as I was reading this psalm, something else jumped out into your ear. Hold on to that and go back to the Lord with it. But for today, 14 and 15, it says, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. Question for you. In this verse, in these verses, who makes, who causes the grass and the plants to grow? Right? Yeah, the Lord. Why? Well, so people can enjoy the food and the wine the Lord provides in the midst of their working. Do you know what enjoyment is? Enjoyment is simply taking pleasure in something. Did you know that that's allowed? It's allowed. I mean, some of you are going, yeah, but what about the wine you just talked about that's making everybody glad in their hearts? (laughs) Well, you know, that's part of life. We don't do things to excess and to disconnect ourselves from reality. That's sinful. 
But there's things that God's given to us for our enjoyment. In fact, God has designed the universe in such a way that we would find our complete enjoyment and satisfaction in Him. In Him. At our prayer summit this past Thursday, we spent time together sharing uh, moments from our summers that were meaningful to us, that we were thankful for. It was great. It was wonderful to hear uh, bits and snips of what's been going on in people's lives. And in, the, in the process, we recognized that those moments were actually handmade gifts from the Lord to us. He hand-delivered them, orchestrated them. Even in my, my own time away, when I was away by myself for two weeks, it felt like I entered into something that God had already prepared for me. Like just being able to just sit and float down a lazy river and it's all taken care of. Don't worry about it. It was a wonderful. I was very grateful for that. And it wasn't because I or any of you deserved those things. But it was simply out of the kindness and greatness of who God is. For our enjoyment and our encouragement to make our heart glad. The oil and the bread that these verses talk about, which give us nourishment and health, says making our faces shine, are also part of our enjoyment. They're, they're meant to bring us emotional, mental strength. Then the psalmist gives us the sense that the Lord has this great ability to provide for all of our needs, physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental. The Lord's provided for it all, and he wants us to enjoy him in the midst of our work too. Sometimes we think, oh, I have to get away on a holiday in order to experience God, or I have to go away to a monastery or something like that to go and experience God. And sometimes we do, but he wants us to enjoy him and be in relationship with him in every moment of our day, whatever we're going through. So what are you thankful for? What are you grateful for today? If you don't have anything that comes to mind, um, I'd suggest thinking a little harder. <laughs> no matter how miserable you feel or how privileged you might be here today, we all have things to be thankful for. There is something absolutely supernatural that happens when we give thanks to God and take the time to enjoy the gifts that he's given to us, even if it's just a moment. Strength comes to our heart, to our bones, to our being. Faith and hope begin to rise in us. And the world doesn't seem as dark as it did just a moment before. Have you ever had Jesus dawn on your day? All of a sudden, it's like the sun comes up. And the things around you just don't seem as dark as they did a moment ago. That's Jesus. It's also another spiritual key to living life. Thankfulness and joy go hand in hand together. Thankfulness and enjoyment of God go hand in hand. See, thankfulness rises up when we choose to find our joy in him. And joy in the Lord rises up when we choose to be thankful 
It goes back and forth and back and forth and around and around together and changes our perspective. A couple of verses from the Old and New Testament. One is what happened when the people of God at the dedication of the temple were singing praise to God and thanking him. It says in Second Chronicles, The trumpeters and the musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise of the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then, it says, the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. It was after they gave praise and thanksgiving that the Lord descended and filled them, filled his temple. He does the same thing with this earthly temple that the Holy Spirit resides in. In 2 Corinthians 4, it's talking about our salvation in Jesus Christ. It says, all this, our salvation and what Jesus has done, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we might feel like we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. It's the power of praise and thanks and enjoying who God is. Psalm 9 says, I'll give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Let it come out of your mouth. Psalm 107 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty. Are you thirsty today? You might be because you're a little warm. And he fills the hungry with good things. I had forgotten, in a sense, that the Lord had given me my wife and my family, work and ministry, my love of cooking and a host of other things. Part of it is to make my heart glad in Him. What's He done for me? I needed to be reminded to enjoy them as gifts from God. Maybe you need a reminder as you head into another busy fall season. And now, if you're a details person, you might be asking, Aaron, you told us there were three verses, three verses that this psalm impacted you with. And you're right. And here it is. Um, there's something found in verse 26 that I had never seen before in my readings of Psalm 104. Some of you are way smarter than I am, probably seen it before, but I hadn't seen this before. And it's the word Play. Psalm 104, 25 to 26, it says, Here's the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both great and small. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. I'd never caught that last little bit. In the root of the Hebrew word used here for play, it has a, a playful or jestful side to it that means to laugh with pleasure or to even rejoice. Um, there is also the context of the verse previous where this Lord, he's, the psalmist says, Lord, how manifold, how, how many are your works? 
In wisdom, you've made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Mythical or not, in the context of God's word, Leviathan is one of those creatures. I I don't know if you know what or who Leviathan is, but at the very least, it describes a huge whale. Uh, And on the terrifying extreme Hollywood side, Leviathan describes a massive sea monster of great legend and mythic proportions. Like, just think Pirates of the Caribbean and the thing that grabs all the ships in one go and cracks them and takes them down to the depths of the sea. That's Leviathan. (coughs) It was God's pleasure in creation to make the oceans wide and deep and unfathomable. And as unfathomable as they are, so his creatures could play in it. Just because. (laughs) Just because. But if that's not amazing enough to you about the character of God, or a head-scratcher, there's a couple of Bible translations that actually add to this idea a little further. To take it one more step, Instead of saying, there go the ships and Leviathan, which he formed to play in it, they changed the last word of this verse. See what you think. There go the ships and Leviathan, who you formed to play with. Hmm. Had you ever thought of that? I, I don't want to go making an entire theology out of one verse or a little corner of one. But does it capture something of the heart of God that these translators were trying to hold in tension? We see the sovereign creator of the universe fashioning and hiding a massive beast in the depths of the ocean to both enjoy its environment, like all the other creatures that the Lord has created, but we also see a a hint of desire for intimacy and relationship with his creation, to enjoy. Dare we even think to play? Remember, playing is something that we do for simple enjoyment together, just because, not for any particular goal or reason, enjoying one another's company. As adults, we do it differently. Kids do it way better than adults do. Is there anyone we know who maybe sounds a little bit like this? Jesus, perhaps. He stepped down from heaven and all its glory to become a human being. God went from being out there to Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord not only wanted to save us from our sin and the consequence of death, like I mentioned before, he wanted a deeper relationship with us. Not because it would somehow complete him. No, he knew it would complete us. And our relationship and enjoyment with our Heavenly Father would increase and grow The Lord wants a relationship with you. First, to graciously save you from yourself and those consequences of sin. 
But secondly, for you to worship and enjoy him forever. Throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus enjoying and spending time with his disciples. He even had a close relationship with uh, Peter, James, and John. And while the scripture doesn't say it, it but it's, it's hard to imagine them walking down a dusty road for miles and miles and never telling a joke, never laughing or having a great time amidst all the challenges that they faced together. I mean, that's why I love that picture. That's why I love that picture. What's the picture of Jesus that you have in your mind? Because that picture will be like a lens that you see the world with and that you see God with. Sometimes people see skinny, gaunt Jesus, frail Jesus. Sometimes people see soap opera Jesus in those pictures where it looks like, you know, when somebody has a phone in a soap opera and they put it down and they go, Right? right? I, I know it's kind of funny, but there's these pictures that we have of, of who Jesus is. <laughs> there we go. I've lost you. I've lost you. <laughs> yeah. Or like in Revelation, right? King of kings, Lord of lords, written on his thigh. Right? What's the picture you have? What's the whole picture? of what you have, of who Jesus is. Jesus wants an ongoing relationship and conversation with you every moment of your day. Sometimes it's to get down to do business together. And other times, it's just because he wants you to be with him and enjoy him for who he is. No agenda other than that. Just enjoy God. I don't want to be sacrilegious saying this, but please hear me. But when's the last time you played with God? When's the last time you just had fun with Him? If that's the heart of God and part of who He is, then we also have the challenge to grow and reflect that perspective and the aspect of who God is in our daily lives. And this summer, I was challenged to ask myself, How am I enjoying or glad or delighting in the people and the provision that has come into my life? And what is it that stops me from being vulnerable and ready to just, well, I was going to say let my hair down. I don't have any, any, lots of hair, but but you know what I mean? Where it's just to relax and just kind of let let it all hang out and just be. I, I discovered that Playing with God, if I can put quotes around that, sometimes looks like me closing my laptop and going on a walk with my family. Sometimes this summer, um, I was, well, I should say God, was, God asked me to <laughs> spend some time sitting on a blanket on the ground with our youngest five-year-old, Emma, uh, in our dining tent in Napaming Provincial Park, to play horses about five different times in one day. I didn't always feel like it, but I was glad that I did. There was something of the heart of God that I was receiving and then acting on and sharing with somebody else. In that case, somebody really close to me, who I love. 
You know, it's like that with many things in life. If we get over our fears, our hang-ups, our selfishness, our, our need for control, I mean, insert sinful behavior here, whatever it is, and make the choice to enter relationships instead of hold back from people, we're actually richer for it, and the love of Christ flows deeper. I certainly would never want to say that I've been getting this perfect since coming back. I feel like I'm growing in it, and I'm stumbling here and there. But I've been reminded, and I've seen something that I can't unsee. Have you ever had that? You just see something or something's revealed to you, and you know, oh, I can't go back to what I used to do. Lord, help me with this. The result has been joy and thankfulness in my life to the Lord for helping me to live out a life that hopefully looks more like Jesus than me. My prayer is the same for you too. So this morning, amidst the greatness of who God is in this psalm and who he is in reality, the awesomeness of his power, his holiness, his might, there's also this other side to the Lord of enjoyment and play. How do you see God? How does that perspective or the glasses that you wear affect your relationship with him? I mean, do you resonate with the picture that I've just shared today, or does it maybe feel like some far-off, distant dream to you? It's okay if that's the case. Don't worry. Um, God, as the one who has created you, he knows how to get you from where you are today to where he wants you to be tomorrow. And if our heart is one of Jesus, I love you, I know I don't get it all right, but I want to worship you, and I want to become more like you. If that's our posture in the swing and to and fro of what our daily lives look like, the Lord knows your heart, and he will get you there. He will get you there. Simply ask for his help. Hold on to the truth that he will, in fact, get you there as you trust him. Just put one foot in front of the other and you trust what he's asked you to do and obey him. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the one true God. In you, we have seen the face of God. Lord, it's my prayer that today we've grown or seen or been challenged in another aspect of your character, of who you are, and how we as your disciples relate to you. Lord, I invite you by your spirit uh, to unlock things in people's minds and hearts where they've got an inaccurate perspective of who you are. Lord, would you set us free from those things? Lord, we don't want there to be anything in between us being able to enjoy you, to enjoy us, and for us to be able to fully engage with the people that you've placed into our lives. Lord, we know there's brokenness. We know in us there are things we've gone through that make us feel sometimes like a crumpled up paper bag. But Lord, you transform, you change. 
You make us into something that is greater than we could ever think or imagine. You take our mourning and you turn it into dancing. You take our sorrow and you turn it into joy. Lord, I pray that wherever people are at today, they would be able to open their eyes to see you, that your Holy Spirit would help with that, and they would be able to enjoy you as they leave this place, maybe even spend time just doing nothing with you and enjoying you. Lord, help us to grow in our understanding of who you are. Thank you for the Psalms. Thank you for the way that they meet us where we are and that you actually even more so meet us deep within. Lord, I bless each one here and ask for the plans and purposes and the perfect will of God to manifest in their lives and that they would know that you are great, that you are good, and that you are their God. Amen.